You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. And belly and up to the nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. My name is Chris. His name is Ed. This is Socks in the Basement. 30 minutes of socks for fans, by fans, all brought to you by Family Waterproofing Solutions. See what a difference a family makes if you're trying to keep water out of the basement. And this is the season where you start to find out that something might have gone wrong in the cold. This is the season to get that work done that you regretted not getting done before it got cold and the ground froze. Now is the time to take care of bowing walls, window wells, sump pumps, gutter cleaning, uh, trying to drain the water away from your house, taking care of any kind of seepage and cracks. Give them a call 24-7-708-330-4466 and see all that they do at FamilyDry.com. Before we jump into everything coming up today, Scott Merkin on the program. We're going to talk about what's going on this week with the White Sox and I know you have a lot to say, my friend, because you weren't with us on the last episode. You couldn't make it out to the Southside Irish Parade in Cork and Kerry uh, when we celebrated out there with a bunch of listeners. Gave away over a thousand socks in the basement koozies. I mean, (laughs) we littered littered Western Avenue with these things. They were on every drink inside and outside. It was absolutely incredible, and uh, we had a blast. The first thing, though, I want to cover real quick is just give you an update and tell you to vote. For the three finalists, which one will win the $1,000 guest bounty brought to you by Elite Benefits of America? See more at EliteBenefits.net. But David Sampson, Liam Hendricks, and Jake Berger, the three guests of the offseason that you can vote for, which one was the best? The voting is open at SoxOn35th.com. I will put a link inside of the show notes for you to go directly to it. Only one vote because Jordan Lazowski over there is running the voting, my friend, and he is weeding out IP addresses and spam to make sure it's one vote per person. So if you you try to spam, Mr. Saxmath over there is going to stop you. He's very precise. He's going to make sure it's one vote per person. David Sampson currently in the lead. He has twice as many votes as the other two. So shocking. That is a little surprising. Yeah, he's like, he's got half the votes right now. Uh, Samson at 58%, and Hendricks and Berger basically splitting the rest right now in second and third place. Uh, there's no wrong answer either. They were all fantastic, all three of them. Go back and listen to the interviews. I mean, they, they, David Sampson, that was a great, uh, he was fantastic with us at the start of the offseason. So, you know, absolutely deserving of your votes, but surprising given that it's the closer of the White Sox and their, um, Soon to be second baseman, I guess. <laughs> yeah, they're not doing so well. Berger and Hendricks going for their charitable organizations, and uh, uh, David Sampson, a listener, put him up, so the listener gets the thousand dollars. So you know, maybe he's getting the votes because you know people want like a, a common guy to win a G. So may- maybe that's what it is. I don't know. Can't wait to see the ending. The voting goes all the way through the thirty first of March, so you have time. All right, my friend. We've seen moves get made. We have seen moves that have yet to be made. Uh, As we sit here and talk, there is still the possibility of a Michael Conforto in right field, but I'm starting to get more and more convinced that it's not going to happen. So 
What do you think right now, looking at the team that Rick Hahn has put together here in spring training as games start, what do you think right now your impression of the White Sox? It's the same thing starting the season that they ended the season with. No, nothing has changed for me. And that that is my biggest source of frustration is that we're literally looking at the team being better this year, to kind of paraphrase Rick Hahn's words, by just the virtue of the fact that we're hoping that Gavin Sheets can hit lefties a little bit better. We're hoping that Andrew Vaughn can play a better brand of right field and can take that next step. And I think those two things are things that can happen. And I think even Gavin Sheets could become a better right fielder. I mean, he could only go up. But it's it's just the same stuff. You've you've tweaked it. That's all you've done. You've replaced Ryan Tapera with Joe Kelly or with Kendall Graveman, right? You've basically moved Vince Velasquez into Michael Kopech's multi-inning reliever role and moved Kopech into Carlos Rodon's rotation spot. You, you put Josh Harrison in for Cesar Hernandez, a hole that was created by a trade that you made that did not work out. You really wish you had Nick Mandrigal right now playing second base. Instead, you're trying to unload a $16 million contract that you could have just not picked up the option on. And, and it's and it's almost like an albatross around the neck of your team because if you truly are out of money, I don't know if I blame Jerry Reinstorf as much as I blame the general manager who knew what the budget was and has been working there for nearly a decade as a GM and for almost a decade before that as an assistant GM. If you don't know how it works in there by now and you can't plan out a budget and how you're going to allocate your funds, as annoyed as I can be about us not being the number one payroll in baseball, I think they're top five right now. And and it's on the GM if he's not allocating the funds correctly and he can't pull off the trades that he has lots of time to figure out. I mean, forget forget this lockout thing. You could have figured something out during the lockout or at least had plan A through Z ready to go when it opened back up again. He's got $34 million, $36 million invested in two pitchers who have one thing in common, and, and it's a giant red flag that I'm not sure how Rick Hahn, who should have seen this doesn't see it but remember in 2019 back in the in the in the heyday of the of the old cba before we had pandemics and weird shortened seasons with lockouts whatever dallas keichel and craig kimbrell were were tied up together in that nobody signed them until after their qualifying offer had lapsed and there was no longer draft pick compensation tied to them and this was a former Cy Young Award winner. This is a guy who was on a Hall of Fame closer path, but both had shown signs of falling apart. Lo and behold, as we are sitting here looking at the 2022 White Sox, the big albatross contracts that are maybe preventing them from putting money towards Michael Conforto or might have prevented them from being aggressive on the starting pitching market to add somebody of greater value than Dallas Keuchel presents on the field right now. Those two contracts are two guys who in 2019, the entire league, including Rick Hahn saw enough red flags that they didn't want to give up a draft pick to sign them. But somehow in 2020, Dallas Keuchel was considered to be a guy that was going to be a key part of the rotation. And you locked him up at more money than what the Sox have been comfortable spending in pitchers in the past. And then you go and you make a trade. You didn't need to make a trade to get Craig Kimbrell to bolster the bullpen down the stretch last year, but at the cost of not having a backup plan for Nick Madrigal. So Rick Hahn, if he is sitting here saying, 
look, we spent all the money we can spend. You're right. It's not on Jerry who has spent more money than he has ever spent as the owner of the White Sox. It's on this general manager who went for two big name fading pitchers, which is just a horrific move. If you're trying to build a team on a budget, you cannot throw it at things that are going to be potential disasters one or two years down the road. And that's where they sit. They sit with a guy they cannot trade Craig Kimball because nobody wants a closer that they're not sure can still close. And you cannot get rid of Dallas Keuchel because the only way to get rid of big contracts, even under the new CBA, is to do what the Mariners and Reds did, where the Mariners took the awful contract and production of Eugenio Suarez, who has not hit above 200 the past couple of seasons, but they took his remaining $50 million to get Jesse Winker, and gave back very little. So if the White Sox want to trade Dallas Keuchel, they might have to include Gavin Sheets or Andrew Vaughn, but they're not going to get anything back that's going to help them this year or maybe even in the next couple of years. It's a terrible situation. If you have never been out to Double Play Saloon in Blue Island, you should go check it out. If you're in the island or around the island, Double Play Saloon has a big, giant, beautiful, brand new remodeled private gaming area they also have five dollar basket lunch specials thirteen dollar miller and bud family buckets they are a darts bar that it really has something for everybody friendly service they got a kitchen right there for you they got late night food if you're hungry you're out with your friends you're like let's get another drink and i want to put some food in my belly check them out anytime at 13011 western avenue you might bump into me or even ed as we've been uh, popping into uh, to double play saloon and having a great time we will see you out there 13011 western avenue double play saloon in blue island Joining me on the phone line right now, uh, wonderful whenever he comes on the show and when we're able to get him while he's down there at spring training in the thick of things with the access he gets for working for MLB.com, covering the White Sox as he has for so long, Scott Merkin on the line with us. How are you, Merk? Good, Chris. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. Baseball's back. That's what's exciting. And, And you know what's amazing about this is since they signed the deal from that moment, it has been so fast and furious, all the information coming out of White Sox camp, surrounding potential free agents, signings. How have you done so far trying to keep up with everything going on in such a quick, fast amount of time? Yeah, I think as crazy as it's been, people expect it to be even crazier. I thought everybody would be signing like 24 hours. And I would think that it's got to happen in the next uh sometime this weekend because, you know, you want guys in camp to have more than like, you know, five to seven days to kind of get adjusted to the roster and everything else. And, you know, different teams have different programs and that kind of thing. So, you know, as you're seeing, you know, Chris Bryant apparently is going to the Rockies, which is a very surprising move. Jock Peterson went to the Giants. So things are starting to settle down. You know, a lot of the the names that were out there are going off the board. But, yeah, it's been quick. But really, the Sox have only had – it was kind of in a two-day period that they knocked theirs out with Josh Harrison, Vince Velasquez, and who am I missing? Um, Joe Kelly. So, I mean, you know, it, it wasn't like it's happening every day. And, and they may not be done yet. There may be more work for them to do. So we'll see what happens. But, yeah, it's 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 been interesting, that's for sure. And, and everyone knew it was coming because there were so many guys unsigned when the lockout began. Well, for those of us that are trying to follow all the information that's coming out of spring, let me give you what my impression is. Uh, you know, over the last couple of days, looking at quotes from Rick Hahn, Tony La Russa, uh, looking at how the White Sox are spending their money and what they're doing and who's still available on the board. It, you know, they go out, they get Joe Kelly, 
They grabbed Vince Velasquez. He's a depth piece, let's be honest. I, the guy's never had right. a great season as a pitcher, so he, he's a depth piece. Uh, and you go get Josh Harrison to play second base. You go get a defensive second baseman. You know, you needed defense. That was something that Tony talked about. But you see everybody from Han to even Steve Stone tweeting things out like, you know, if they're going to do anything, they're going to be looking for a left-handed bat. And as of the time we're sitting here talking right now, the only left-handed bat that could play right field is Michael Conforto. And you you hear this, well, we're happy with our team, and we feel like we've done enough, and I feel like we're a championship team. And meanwhile, White Sox fans are sitting there saying, ah, that's really confusing out there in right field. You know, Sheets and Vaughn are not defensive players. We keep talking about defense. Is Adam Engel the plan, or are you going to go out and sign somebody? What do you think right now as we speak is the actual plan. Do you think they're in on the Conforto sweepstakes? It just depends on whether or not they can get him at the right price. Yeah, it seems to me, and this is no offense. I mean, I don't follow the Mets that closely. You know, I mean, I know about the Mets. I see their games. I see their scores, read their articles by our own uh, Anthony DiComo. But I don't know, you know, a ton about the everyday Mets nations. But it seems like every offseason there's a player, right, that each fan base wants, right? I mean, I mean, like, I remember when, you know, the Cubs were still going strong and Chris Bryant was with the Cubs and he was very good friends with Bryce Harper and all the Cubs fans thought, okay, Harper's going to the Cubs, right? That's going to happen. That's a done deal. And Conforto seems to be that guy for the Sox and fans this year. I mean, you know, I, I mean, he's a very good player. He gets on base a lot. He's got left-handed power. He balances the lineup. But I think they're looking at it. And now, granted, Gavin, she's just had part of one season and did have a nice little playoff series. But I think, you know, they're looking at it at the price point that, you know, maybe at that they may take a run with him, take a run with Andrew Vaughn and see what they have. And then, you know, there may, they may be spending, I mean, maybe Conforto doesn't sign and it comes close to opening day and they decide that they need to go get him. They need to go after him. And that's when it happens. But I, I don't think they're going to be forced. And what did Rick Hahn say the other day about, there's always one more move to make, but sometimes you worry about making one move too many. And that you know, I'm paraphrasing here and that, you know, you want to make a move with a purpose behind it, not just a move to make a move. So they have a pretty darn good lineup in, out there. And if you're going with Andrew Vaughn, who is a very good young player who, remember, you know, found out three days before the season started that he was going to be playing left field after he was, you know, without a, with, a, with a very limited minor league experience the year he was drafted and had a very good season until he hit a wall in September and seems like a very confident kid coming into camp. Same with Gavin Sheets, left-handed power. Good defensive player in Adam Angle, versatility in Larry Garcia, Josh Harrison can play in the outfield, and you have the DH spot open too. So I'm, I don't know if it's necessarily just a left-handed outfield bat as much as it might be another bat. You know, it might be another bat who possibly can play the outfield but can work in a DH too, and then you can go with maybe Sheets and uh, Vaughn in the outfield. There's a lot of options. I I still think they're not they're not completely done looking at pitching. You know, I think they still they realize with the ramp up being so short that, you know, pitchers, even though a lot of these guys have been talking, you know, steadfastly about how much work they did during the lockout and how they're ready to go. And Lance Lynn is throwing three off the mound in his uh, side session. And I think Lucas Giolito had three ups, you know, in his side session. But you still, you know, you're probably five innings to start the season. So that bullpen depth is key. And I would not be surprised, if, especially with a guy like Michael Kopech, who's not, you know, has not started in a while and is kind of making that jump back into rotation. So it's very hard to say. Like, I mean, the one thing that keeps going into my mind is let's say they really wanted Michael Conforto. Okay. I'm just saying this hypothetically. Wouldn't you go after him then? Wouldn't you just go and make it happen? Like they will, I'll give you an example for a couple of years. They wanted Yasmani Grandal at catcher and they made that happen. 
he was signed by, I think like three days before Thanksgiving that year, it was done, you know? So you, you wonder, you know, where that stands and how they look at the overall roster. And then, you know, the final point in this long-winded answer is that, you know, Rick Hahn has always talked about the Braves model and consistent, you know, sustained success, sustained success in that, he doesn't, you don't want to buy at every spot. You want your own system to kind of fill in at times too. And that's what you have. And Andrew Vaughn, Adam Engel and Gavin Sheets, you know, so I think you've got to give some of these guys a chance. And remember, let's say they don't add anyone. There's no Conforto. There's no Castellanos. There's no anyone. He doesn't mean that that's their roster for the next rest of the year. They can go get someone in June. They can go get someone in July and improve the lot for them overall. So let's talk about if they don't go get anybody in right field. I am of the, uh, the belief that as much as you want to get at bats for Andrew Vaughn and you want to give Gavin Sheets at bats, as Hans said in a recent comments this week, like, hey, we want to make sure these guys get a chance. They're not really going to benefit in AAA. We, we want to give them at bats. You have the DH position, first of all, to get them at bats. And defense was an issue for this team. I look at a guy like Adam Engel. I look at what he did in 2019. He, he's dealt with some injuries lately. But the potential is there that he could be a guy that gets the lion's share out there, especially when you feel like you want more defense at that position, depending on what team you're facing. How is his health? Have you heard anything about him while you're down there? I'm very, very interested in where he is right now. You know, they just reported Monday. I've actually not spoken to Adam Angle yet, but, you know, from, from all reports from Rick and everyone else, there doesn't seem to be, you know, except for Joe Kelly, which they're, you know, kind of, and he's out there working but they're kind of slow playing it with his nerve issue and the biceps that he had at the end of last year that he's not going to break camp. They really haven't said much about anyone else. And Michael Kopech had his, um, you know, kind of off season work slowed down by the, uh, by an illness that he had in January that, that Rick kind of talked about. So, you know, I think he's ready to go again. I don't know if Adam Engel would be an everyday player. I don't think he would be, but I think you have a lot of different options and that's what the Sox are looking for. They have that versatility. You know, they have a lot of guys, who can play a lot of different positions. Josh Harrison, Romy Gonzalez, Leary Garcia, you know, Adam Engel, Vaughn and, and Sheets, Berger, you know, assuming he stays in that mix. There's a lot of different options they can turn to. And, you know, I, I think the DH is something you can rotate guys through too. You know, you can have a Brayu DH again. You can have Grandal DH. You can have a Mendez DH. You could have Vaughn or Sheets the ace. So you got a lot of options to mix and match, which is what you need in a, in a championship type team. One of the interesting things that I, I've heard now this week is some, uh, some quotes. Somebody must have asked Jose Abreu, uh, you know, is this your last season? You're going to be with this team next year. You know, his contract is running out. Uh, that's a question that was posed to him. And from the bits and pieces I was able to put together, quotes that were released by you and other folks that are covering it down there and put it out on Twitter – it sounds like you almost said, let's see how this season goes. Depending on how it ends, then my family and I will talk about it. It seems like there's some uncertainty there as to whether or not this is going to be his last season with the Sox, he goes somewhere else, or his last season ever, or if he's going to stick around for a few more years. What did you feel about that? I, I think you were in the scrum or around him when he was yeah, talking. I was. What What did you pick up from that, Scott? Well, I remember a few things. You know, Number one, he's... This is his ninth season with the White Sox, right? And he came over in a six-year deal, and this is this is the third of his third-year deal, three-year deal. I'm sorry. And also remember that he played, you know, at a very competitive level for ten years in Cuba from 2003 to 2013. He, he hit 453 one year, which is kind of amazing. I don't think that's talked about enough that that he actually pulled that off over like 300 plate appearances. But anyways, 
you know, so he may be, you know, let's say they go out and win the championship there. He may just say, that's good. Let's, let's move on to the next phase of my career. But I think, you know, we remember the interesting negotiation style last time where Jose said he would sign himself back as he wasn't, you know, missing out after playing through the lean years to play in the competitive window. And, you know, Jerry Reinsdorf, I think originally Jose told the Sun-Times that Jerry said he told his family he'd never wear another uniform. And, you know, I, I think maybe they're taking a different approach, maybe a little more, let's not guarantee anything in the media type of approach and we'll see what happens. But I, I still would imagine, you know, unless he just tails off, I, I don't understand the the view of him and saying that, you know, in some circles, I guess through analytics that he's become an average player. I just don't see it. I, I still think, you know, he is what he is. He's an MVP, he's an MVP in 2020 for God's sake. And he's, you know, he, I, I don't buy that RBIs are just a counting number and, you know, he drives in key runs for this team He's, you know, is he now the featured guy of a team? No, but he doesn't need to be on this team, right? I mean, he, he you know, Luis Robert is probably the featured guy, or Tim Anderson, or Yohan Moncada, or Loy Jimenez. So he, he needs to be a very good player among the group. So I think, yeah, I think he's just not going to talk about it this year. He's not going to go into it. And then when the season ends, they'll all sit down and make a decision. And, you know, I think they'll play by what happens this year. Maybe Jose will have another year like last year where, let's just face it, he got you know, he was physically abused, basically. Now, it may be a bad choice of words there, but he was physically beat up. How about that? You know, he got hit by 23 pitches. He crashed in a Hunter Dozier going for the foul ball, hurt his ankle, scoring the winning run against the Royals and was out of series. You know, he had COVID at the beginning of the year, and then he had that stomach flu that, you know, that cost, it almost cost him in the Houston series. Yet the guy went to a, the post 152 times. Maybe if he has a season like that, that's physically taxed again, he may say, you know what, I'm good. And you talk about uh, guys that plunked him last year. Kendall Graveman got him good. And uh, from what I understand, yeah. apologized to him. And Graveman is part of maybe, on paper, the greatest bullpen I've ever seen. I mean, this is ridiculous. <laughs> and, and let's be honest. I think, it, the Royal, I think the Royals team that won the World Series may, have, may want to have a word with you on that one, I think. <laughs> well, who knows? Maybe this bullpen wins a World Series and they can have an argument some night in a bar. Well, because, there you go. That, that, and you can moderate if that happens between uh, – Pereira and Davis and Holland and Hoshaver and Madsen and then these guys right here. That would be actually a great little panel to discuss. Yeah, that would be a fun one. And, and, and the thing is, one of the reasons why he looks so good on paper is if you believe Craig Kimbrell's staying and he's going to be the Craig Kimbrell that they went out and traded for when they dealt Nick Madrigal and it created a hole at second base. It's been a a point of consternation for this team now ever since Madrigal was no longer on the roster and they knew that they had to go out and get themselves another person to stand at second base. So uh, what do do you feel talking with Rick Hahn, listening to these interviews? I know they're they're never going to say we're trading him because the moment they say we're trading him, that's a pretty awkward position to put him in. Do you still think the prevailing uh, belief is that the White Sox will move on from him before the season starts, or are they paying $16 million to Craig Kimbrell, hoping that he plays well and he's on this roster for the entire season? Well, I think it's, it's you know an answer that it could be both. They have him in the picture right now, and that's a heck of a bullpen if he's you know close to the guy he was in the first half, because let's be honest, when they acquired him, the Sox had the two best closers in baseball on their team at that point, because Kimbrell's numbers at the Cubs last year were you know, basically video game inhuman, and Hendricks was the reliever of the year in the American League. So then you would have Hendricks, Graveman, uh, Kelly, Kimbrell, Bummer, Crochet, Lopez, Velasquez. That's a pretty good group right there. And that's, you know, without adding it, mixing anyone else in there from, from depth-wise. Depth but, 
I think, you know, if the right deal comes through, they'll trade him. But I don't think Rick Hahn is going to say the teams, and he would never say this anyways, but I'm not, it's not a salary move. They're not going to teams and say, whatever you can give us, we're going to move him. So just, you know, that I think they're going to get something in return for him. And if they don't, then they're going to keep him and hopefully have a really, you know, like you said, tremendous bullpen, a playoff tested, you know, quality bullpen to go into October. So let me ask you this real quick before I let you go. What's the vibe? Is this team walking around saying we're going to win a championship? Is this team walking around with a, well, I think we got a good good group. Let's wait and see. I mean, I, I heard Joe Kelly in an interview. It sounds like he's basically walking around telling these guys, walk like champions because you're going to be champions and act like it and right. it'll happen. Is that is that what it's like down there? Because you're around them. Well, I wish it was that easy because then I would be like, you know, I feel like I'm six one, and even though I'm five seven, I'm going to walk like I'm six one, and then I'm going to be that. But it doesn't always work quite that well. But but I think you know, to me, I think it's a little bit of the opposite. I think they're not saying anything, and they're getting worked on. Like Tim Anderson, who's one of the best guys to cover, and just a really good dude to talk to a lot of times too. You know, he basically said we we talked. I think he was the first one to talk to us on Saturday, and he basically as we're asking him, you know, over and over again in different ways about the season, he basically said, "Hey guys, you know, there's nothing new." And he didn't mean it like, you know, like, let's, let's start to get excited about it. He meant like, this is where we've been. This is where we are. We're one of the best teams in baseball. We know what we got to do. We're going for the World Series. That's our goal. Same thing with him. Like, when people ask him, you know, about this and that, how you're hitting, how you're doing this, you know, he's always like, hey, it's the same thing. He's just trying to get better, trying to enjoy the moment, and trying to, you know, work hard every day. And I think that's the Sox are viewing it as. I think they view it as, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. You know, like, Aloy was asked today about how great it's going to be to have both him and Robert back healthy. And he said, he should be, but let's see how it is. You know, and I think there's no predictions, no both, at least not yet. Maybe there are, you know, guys are saying, oh yeah, this is a championship caliber team. But I think they know they just, they got to get the work done. You know, they probably had a very good team last year. They did. They won 93 games with Aloy Jimenez out until the end of July with Robert gone for three months with Grant Dahl hurt, with Kopech hurt, Anderson, you know, battering, battling hamstring problems, Abreu getting beat up all season. They still won 93 games and cruised the AL Central title. So, I mean, it's, it's more what to do on the field. And I think they get that a little more. And I think they understood some of the downfalls, the pitfalls they had from that Houston series. So let's face it, Houston beat them soundly. You know, there's no question about it. There was no, maybe there were a few moments here and there, but overall there wasn't like, man, if they could have had that one breaking game too, they win this thing. You know, they got beat by Houston. There was no doubt about it. So they know what they have to do now to kind of take that next step. And they believe in themselves. I just think they're not, you know, going out there and just putting the bulletin board material up there and saying, we're the team to beat, come after us. Awesome. Scott Merkins down at spring training. You can read all the stuff, uh, MLB.com, WhiteSox.com. I think you can put in like five different ways of saying White Sox and put a .com next to it. And somehow it takes you to their, to their Chi main Sox page. works, I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> works. Yeah. Every, every iteration is somehow, uh, somehow still works there. I'm looking forward to talking to you all season long. We might check in with you again at the end of spring training, but I really appreciate the time that you give us Scott and, uh, you know, enjoy the sunshine and the baseball. It's something that I think all of us got very worried. We were not going to get, and uh, now I think we're all just like kids on Christmas morning. We just want all the information and everything to go immediately our way. And it's going to be a long season. And I think once everybody realizes that, it's going to be a lot of fun. I just had a quick story. You know, uh, Sox opened the complex, the backfields to fans on Monday when the Sox Major League team started working out. And as I pulled into the lot, there were all these cars there. And I'm like, what's going on? Is there some sort of event here or you know, there's no game today for the Dodgers either. And it was just, everyone was out there just to watch, get autographs, yell at the players, talk to the players. 
and 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 they were just that excited to be back in baseball. So it's, it's a good sign. It's a great sign that everyone's ready to go and ready to get excited about what should be a good season in, on the South Side. And there was probably like one guy with a sign that said, sign Michael Conforto, right? Not, not that I've seen so far. <laughs> maybe, maybe there will be, in the, if he's not signed by tomorrow or Friday, maybe there will be one in there, but not that I've seen so far. Just a lot of people with uh, cards and coolers and all sorts of different things for players. And, and, and Rick Hahn, Rick Hahn signed a few autographs that I've seen out there too. So a little bit of everything for the, for the fan base. <laughs> You know the interesting thing that I hear there towards the end with Merck? And there's a lot in there. Yeah. But the interesting thing is the team's attitude this year compared to last year. The fact that the uh um I don't know the brashness of Tim Anderson is tampered down. That there's a, there's a couple guys on the team that went through a really rough series with the Astros and now realize that talk is cheap. It's fun. Go have fun. But talk does not win championships. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's a mature thing. Maybe that's a thing that is a factor that we didn't have last year that will pay off for us this year. And and we need things like that. We need some kind of change in something because the roster, as we said at the beginning of the program, not much different than what we started with. I mean, Rick Hahn was one of the things he said. He said, you know, left-handed, left-handed bat. We need more of those in the lineup. And he hasn't done anything. He's just got what he what he had when the season ended. It, it feels like it's incomplete right now. Hopefully, there's more completion. Otherwise, you got to start looking right in his eyes. But what did you think about the attitude that uh, Scott Merkin described? I think you have exactly what you get with a lot of young teams, where they were brash and maybe a little overconfident going into last year, and now they've been humbled, and now they have that seasoning. Which again, you know, thinking about how this team is going to mature. And when you do this through a rebuild and you have a young team, you're going to have some veterans that, that are going to do their best to sort of be like, Hey guys, you got to prove it on the field. But at the same time, I think it's a positive that they're sitting there going, no, we got to show it. We, we don't, don't tell me, show me. Um, But really, you know, the, the whole thing is wrapped up in, and I think the players understand this and I hope Rick Hahn understands this, but the window is basically now and next year. Because after that, you start losing some of the guys that are under team control, and you're going to have to start extending guys. And some of these contracts that you've signed, some of these veterans are going to start falling off. So I'm sure this group, if they are really thinking that this is the group that they want to go to war with and they want to win a championship with, or for some of the veterans that this is now, you know, especially with some of the talk about Jose Abreu coming out, you know, maybe not being back next year. Uh they understand, I think, that that they don't have the luxury of waiting two or three years to sort this out and win a championship. It's not going to be like the 90s Braves, where they can keep going and having a crack at it year after year, but maybe they'll only get one out of it. I think this team hopefully understands that. Yeah, but I don't know if the general manager understands it because one of his big things. I is, don't know if he does. Well, we want sustained, uh, you know, greatness. We want to be, we want to be really good every year. And I don't know if he gets that. He seems to think that they're going to be a contender every year for the next decade, and he doesn't see it as a smaller window. And I don't know which one is true. I, I do know this though. I hopefully it doesn't fall right in the middle of that. You know, where we won't make the big move because we want success every year for years and years and years. But because we won't make the big move, we're just a playoff team that exits at some point because that will also be frustrating. 
Well, entering 2025 in three years, this is these are all of the players that they will have under contract or under team control. Yoan Moncada, Aloy Jimenez, Luis Robert, Aaron Bummer, Dylan Cease, Garrett Crochet, Michael Kopech, Jose Ruiz, Gavin Sheets, Andrew Vaughn, and Sebi Zavala. That's it. So that is that is your core going into the 2025 season. And that's there's still a lot of talent there, but that is a lot of other depth and other positions that you are going to have to make up along the way. And those guys are going to come off not too long after that either. So, yeah, I hope Rick understands that sustained success is great. As wonderful as that would be, and as a Sox fan, I would be excited to be in contention every year. Do not misunderstand me about that one. But if now is the time to win that championship, you know, yeah, he's got to make, be willing and able to make the big move. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on SocksInTheBasement.com.